Here comes Schofield. Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. He's got everything going early on. Schofield, the theft. And look at the That's what she said. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Rainy week in Knoxville time. Not complaining about that because I'm an old man looking at his yard time. I know Grant Ramey next to me is the same way time. Last time I was here, it was pouring down rain. Here I'm again, maybe it's maybe it's me. That's what time it is. Whatever time of day, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a very rainy Wednesday afternoon in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just about, we're recording this about an hour and a half or so before the start of uh, the John Ward celebration tonight, or Wednesday night, at uh, Thompson Bowling Arena. This will be released either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Just kind of depends. Either way, we have a lot to talk about. This is a podcast we've been trying to bring to you for a few weeks now, and we've never really been able to get the schedule synced up because it's summer and you got vacation here, vacation there, wedding here in this case. Grant's got whatever it is, 13 or 14 kids now. But we're finally able to sit down and bring to you the Hoops off-season podcast that we wanted to bring to you. Grant, there's a lot to talk about with this Tennessee basketball program right now. Uh, Coming off an SEC championship, I guess co-SEC championship season. Uh, Vols getting a lot of preseason top five love heading into uh, next season. Admiral Schofield decided to come back for his senior season. You got DJ Burns, a pretty highly touted prospect, uh, coming in to add to that front court, which is already a pretty darn good front court. Uh, still some questions at point guard. Lots of things to talk about. But, Grant, what what, what kind of offseason has it been for Tennessee to this point? Kind of the macro version of it. From this side, I think it's been a pretty good offseason for them to this point. But it, it's, it's always kind of hard to judge those things. I think they're, the results they had last season has kind of further built their culture uh the winning coach I think they they've seen now I think they trusted Rick Barnes and his staff before uh that he's won enough games and, and done enough in his career that he knows what he's talking about and whatever he tells you uh it's gonna work. Well they saw it work over the course of last season, everything they did. And now it's it's kinda like they're building on that. They're 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 extending on that. Uh Admiral Schofield made a comment a couple of weeks ago that uh sometimes you wanna work out and it's hard to get a rim in Pratt Pavilion because there's so many guys in there already working out and doing their own stuff on their own. So I think that's kind of uh, growing as, as time goes on. It, it just keeps getting better for that for that program. And uh, they don't really lose much. They add a, uh, they add a guy in DJ Burns that can, that can add to that culture. It uh, seems like the program's in a really good place and, and keeps heading in an even better place. So clearly what, what Admiral Schofield's trying to do is get a bug in Philip Fulmer's ear about a Pratt Pavilion extension. Uh, that, that's the thing. They got a lot expansion. of rims. They got a lot of rims. That, that, that's, uh, that's, that's credit to this, this roster, I guess, that that many people are working. And, and that's what uh, – I mean, they're not playing in the Rocky Top League because they want to do their own thing this summer and they want to have their own pickup games in Pratt Pavilion and they want to 
uh, get closer as a team, and they feel like they had good chemistry last year. They want to have even better chemistry next year, and, and they felt like they did good things last year. They feel like they can do even better things next year. Uh, so it's 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 going to be a busy summer for them. Uh, and, and now they're not talking about necessarily the amount of time you put in the gym. It's what you're doing during that time in the gym. How efficient can you be? Uh, how much can you perfect certain things in your game? Uh, it's not just about clocking in and clocking out. It's about what you're doing while you're there. Yeah, I just did a, a, a diagram here on this piece of paper, this this yellow legal pad here. Uh, although I, I've been told, was it Ryan who said I was a, it was weird that I was a yellow legal pad guy? I don't whoever that was. I, I don't forget that comment because it was it was rude. But uh, yellow like yellow life pad uh, uh, yellow pads for life uh, easier on the eyes I think. But I've done this diagram here and I've got twelve rims in Pratt Pavilion because you got six really on each side of the gym for the for the men and the women right because mm-hmm. you got the two on each baseline you got the two on or the one on each end line mm-hmm. so that if you're having a hard time getting a rim there that that's uh that's a good that's a bold statement for, for the work ethic of this team and, and we got a lot to talk about here but the very first thing i i want to mention there's a couple things first you, you mentioned that chemistry and that was very clearly something that rick barnes said even in you know, before the dust had settled on the final game of the season, when he talked about next season and moving forward, and you know, it, it, it's hard to get the kind of chemistry that team had last season because you think from thirty thousand feet up, you just look down and you say, "Okay, well, they've got the same guys, right? Same guys equals same chemistry." That's not always the case. Uh, what happens is you can have the most unselfish team in the world, and you got guys who accept their roles. And, and Tennessee would not have been able to do what it did last season, in my opinion, if certain guys hadn't accepted their roles and it wasn't a star role. They had kind of accepted a supporting role. Those guys now are one season closer toward the end of their eligibility. For some guys, it's their senior season. For some, it's their junior season. Uh, and those guys, you start to see – the opportunities ahead of you, whether it's, you know, in, in their case, everyone's dream is to play in the NBA or overseas or get into the kind of developmental league and then go up from there. Uh, you've seen some guys like C.J. Watson and others do that throughout the years. Uh, but regardless, these guys want to play professional ball. They want scouts to see them. And you can love your teammates like brothers, and they do. That is a really, really close, tight band of brothers there. They don't have – uh, chemistry problems they don't have ego problems but when you get one year closer to potentially getting paid it might be harder to get some guys to accept that role now in a good thing the if you want to look at that the positive way that means you got competition every day that's the positive the flip side of it is it's hard to bottle up that same chemistry they had last season you know that's have you talked to Barnes one time in the offseason and had him not mention that, Grant? Because every time I've talked to Barnes, it's been basically the first thing that, that he's mentioned. Yeah, I mean, roles change. Um, aspirations change. Like you're talking about, you're, you're getting closer. Is, is Admiral Schofield, what, what's different about his game now that he knows this is it, this is my senior season, uh, there's no testing the waters after this, I have to dive in, you know, head first. Grant Williams has got to take on a bigger role. Uh, Jordan Bones got to be better because there's no James Daniel there to to play a, a little bit of a, a second hand to him. I mean, it's such an intangible that you just can't 
it's every team is different. How many coaches say every team is different? Doesn't matter how many people you return uh, at the same position at the same spot, kind of the similar roles. It's just every team's different. You got to see what that team's personality is. I think uh, last season's team was affected a lot by James Daniel and kind of the personality that he brought to that team. That whole turn me up movement was something that came from him and uh, just kind of the personality he had uh, in the locker room off the floor. That stuff. Uh, it's, it is, like you said, it's still a tight bunch, and it seems like they have really good chemistry. They're all working in the same direction, uh, pulling the same direction. But you just don't know until you see it. And, and how do they handle different expectations? This is this is not sneak up on people, pick to finish second to last in a C. This is a team that some people are talking about being in the top five. Uh, I don't know if I buy a top five, but how do you handle those expectations? How do you handle – uh, a two or three game losing streak in the regular season. How do you? You're just you're not sneaking up on. You're so established that you're going to have a little bit of a target on your back. And Admiral Schofield has said that they'll always be the hunters. They'll never be the hunted. And that's a great mentality to have. It's a different mentality to execute. Yeah, because you you saw toward the end of the season. I, I I think that Tennessee was, you know, Rick has has a way of trying to constantly needle and poke and prod his players and. He didn't say this, and and I'm not aware of Grant Williams mentioning this publicly. He certainly didn't when I was around. But it it seemed clear to me that that he just was off there. I don't know if it was his back, his his hip. Uh, Something was bothering him. And down the end of the the season, toward the end of the season, he just was not consistently the same player that he had been throughout most of the year. Uh, The good news there was that Admiral Schofield – picked up that slack in a big way and if you had watched if you're just a casual basketball fan you're not a big Tennessee basketball fan you're not a big you you know maybe SEC fan you just you you like big college basketball games the games you were to watch with Tennessee last season you would say wow they their best player is clearly Schofield and now what I'm wondering is when you get Grant Williams healthy going back into the season knock on wood you, you got Schofield uh, being the rock he is and staying in shape and doing all those things he does. Uh, do you have – can you have kind of two Batmans there? Because I, I I don't know that it's a Batman and Robin deal there anymore. I think you've got two guys who both could have a legitimate stake going into the season. They could make a claim legitimately going into the season. They could have a goal that says, I want to be the SEC player of the year, and both could conceivably do that. So – how does that work out? Those guys have always been pretty tight with each other. They're different personalities, but they mesh pretty well. Do you think Tennessee can can keep it going while not necessarily having an established order there in the front court? I think you can. I mean, you know, it's, it's the Warriors not, do it. It's, yeah, it's it's not it's not apples you know apples to apples comparison, but Ernie and Bernie averaged a combined forty eight point seven a night, and obviously that's a guard and a big man uh, in a different era. But these are two dominant. Big men. Uh, Admiral can obviously play on the wing like he did so well last year, and you're right. He was the last – from that two-game in Mississippi stretch, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, from there on, Admiral was the MVP. Uh, he was he was the MVP of this team, even though Grant Williams, as a sophomore, wins SEC Player of the Year uh, because of what he had done, I guess, over the whole body of the work for that season. But still, I think it can work because there's never – these guys have never come across, especially last year when they're having the success that they had, as to care who got the credit. Uh, if Admiral scores 20 one night, that's fine. If Grant scores 20 the next night, that's fine. They don't care as long as they win two games. 
Uh, and that's, I think that's a legit, genuine mentality that they have. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that will say that and maybe not mean it. I think this team means it. I mean, uh, maybe that changes a little bit with Admiral trying to play his way into the NBA draft talk, but I still don't think it's going to matter. Uh, if they can do it at the same time, they'll be that much better of a team. I think there is room enough on the court. There is only, you know, only one basketball, of course, as people like to say, but there's there's enough there that they can both be really good. Uh, but it's a good problem to have. It's a good discussion to have if you're Rick Barnes talking about two guys that could legitimately uh, want to be the SEC player of the year. Kind of piggybacking off that question, this is something I've thought about quite a bit over the past couple of months. And, and when we saw Admiral Schofield the final dozen or so games of that season, did we really see him take the leap and, and become the player that everybody kind of thought or hoped he would be? Or was that just a guy on a heater and he rode that heat throughout the end of the season and he's still kind of going to be just a, a really good player, but not not necessarily a great player. I think it's a guy that you saw what Rick Barnes thinks he can be consistently. Because I don't I don't know how many of us sitting here would have moved him out to the wing uh, to begin with. I would not have to play that three. That that was a bold move that Barnes made, and I would not have. And done to that. play it so well. One thing about this staff, uh, they can develop talent. I don't know if there's a player on this roster that uh, if if they're not playing kind of surpassing expectations they're kind of building towards that. I mean, there are some probably some frustrating examples on the roster, but, I mean, you look at Grant Williams, look at Admiral Schofield, even uh, Jordan Bowden early last year, uh, kind of what he's developed into a two-way player. But what you see from Schofield over those last two, three weeks when he it seems like he was averaging like 20 and 8 uh, is the player that, that he can be and he has developed into kind of out of the vision of Rick Barnes. Uh, he's Thought he was good enough to play on the wing. He is good enough to play on the wing. His jumpers improved enough to play on the wing in college basketball. He's he's got enough of a handle. He can. He's a really good mismatch for a guy. He's either, you know, too big for a guard or too quick for a big man. And, and what he's developed into, I think, what he can be that consistently. Uh, it's a matter of establishing that over a full 30, 30, 31 game schedule into the postseason. Because what he showed the last two three weeks is how elite he can be. Yeah, that, that's and I. Uh, I got a few people that I've met over the years, some sources, some friends, guys who work in the NBA, and a couple of them, a few of them actually were were in person as Admiral Schofield was doing his various workouts uh, for for different teams. And uh, there's one person I talked to quite a bit, and, and his team hosted uh, Schofield on a on one of his his trips, one of his visits, that, you know, before the draft. And basically, he he broke down to me like this. He said, "I love this kid." I love everything about this kid as a person. I love this personality. Uh, you walk in, he walks in the room looking like a Greek god, looking like an Adonis. Uh, I love just about everything there is to love about this kid. However, at the end of the day, right now, he's a 6'4 or 6'4 power forward at the NBA level. And until his, unless his perimeter skills get better, specifically what I heard specifically time and time again was his ball handling. And if you watch him play, you can see that because he he can he can handle the ball sometimes really really well. He can handle it in traffic. He can do some things in transition. Uh, but there's also times where where he just you don't feel confident when he's got the ball in his hands when he's dribbling with it. And he he's not going to be able to play at the NBA level until that changes uh, because his jump shot. I legitimately believe his jump shot is NBA good right now. I think if you leave him open from college 
NBA college three-point range and and maybe even at times from NBA three-point range. He's so consistent, no moving parts really in that jump shot, repeatable kind of flow. He, he can make those shots. I'm not worried about that. And athletically, uh, he can do it. Uh, but there were concerns about his ball handling and there were concerns about perhaps him trying to defend at the NBA level guarding a, an NBA wing. So those are things that he has to work on. And But I'll say this much. Here's what I'll say for Schofield, and this is what I've told anyone who, who's asked me. I would not have made that move that Barnes made with him last season because I did not think – I understood why he was doing it, but I didn't think it would work out, and I thought he would kind of go back to the crutch of having Schofield at the four and Williams at the five and, and working it out. Uh, but he didn't do that, and there's a reason why he's won a billion more basketball games than me. He knew what he was doing. And Schofield became so much better out there than I thought he, he would ever be, and he worked so obsessively hard at his there, game. There were questions like midway through the year, like, is this experiment over yet? Yeah. Are you done with this? And yeah, after a dozen games, I was, with it. Yeah, I was sitting there going, I, I don't know about this. But it, uh, if you look at what he was able to do from his sophomore year to his junior season, and if he can stay on that path, if he's not maxed out yet, if he can keep improving, and if he has the ability to do it, he will do it. He will reach 100% of whatever is capable because if he's healthy because he just is that obsessive with his work ethic. So I'm not willing to sit here and say he can't do this because I had to eat crow last year about it. And I think with another full offseason to work with this uh, and knowing that Tennessee might need some help handling the ball and the fact that he's going to be a senior, I, I think he might be able to step up in that way. I don't know if he'll get NBA good there, but – is there anything about this kid that suggests he won't be better next season? No, and that's the, that's the thing. When you look at his NBA prospects, it feels like he's just going to be that much better in kind of every facet of the game. Mm-hmm. A little bit better of a rebounder, a little bit better of a ball handler, like you were talking about. Uh, keep improving the jump shot. Uh, become a better passer. Uh, get other people open on the floor when you – either if you do or don't have the ball. You've you got to do just a little bit of everything really, really well. Look at the NBA game. It, it's going away from basically positions. Uh, everybody yeah. can run the floor. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can score in transition. you got to be able to do a little bit of everything. I think Barnes – seems like everybody spreads the floor and wants to look for right, the one-on-one right. matchup. I think Barnes moved him to the wing because he th- thought that's where he could excel the most, and that's where his this game is going, where his game is going, where if he's going to get to the next level and play at the highest level in the NBA – that's what he's got to do. He's he's too much of a tweener to just spend time in the post. He's not dominant enough as a post big man uh, to spend his time down there in the NBA. And I think what he has to do now uh, is the same thing he had to do last offseason. He's got to get a little bit better at his jump shot. He's got to get a little bit better at three, a little bit better ball handler, a little bit better defender, rebounder, better conditioning. I got to be in elite shape, all that stuff. I think if he takes those steps, then I, I, I don't know if he ever gets drafted. Uh, I think he'll get signed by a team and, and – kind of go from there. But uh, one thing about him, like you were talking about to begin with, uh, he looks the part. He talks the part. He's got a really good head on his shoulder. He's got a really good mentality. His brother was a uh, NFL player. He comes from a military family. He's He's got a lot of things going for him that if he can just get that chance, if he can keep uh, kind of building towards what he's building toward now, uh, he's got a bright future. And I think the trust level he and Rick Barnes have developed with each other helps a lot too because there's a couple guys in the program who 
you know, don't get me wrong here. Rick Barnes is going to do what Rick Barnes wants to do. Mm-hmm. However, there are a couple guys on that team that he will listen to, and I've seen it during games. I've seen these guys go to him and convince him to do things, and that's Admiral Schofield and that's Lamonte Turner right. because those two guys never leave the gym, and Barnes trusts the work they put into it. And if, these, if they say, hey, coach, can we try this? Then he'll let them probably try it most of the time. So the trust level they have in each other, I think only helps him grow as a player uh, because your coach, you know, Rick Barnes is going to put in, he's going to give you how much you put in. Right. You know, he's going to mirror whatever You're work. match your investment. Yeah, for sure. there you go. That's a, a much better way to put it. Thank you. He will match whatever investment you put into him, into the program, he'll give you exactly that much in return. And if you give him everything you've got, he will give you absolutely everything he has. And I, I like that he and Schofield have that. And now my question is... Well, and, it, and it really, it's crazy to think about. Hold that for a second. No. In, in Maui, he was suspended for a violation of team rules. Yep. Which I don't know what it was, but it's always been my speculation that Barnes told him one thing and Admiral talked back and that was that. Mouth off. Yeah, because that was, that was Rick Barnes... Hickory mad after that incident in Maui because I asked him what happened, or and you know Rick's that's between me and the players or whatever, and I said how long is he suspended? And Rick said till I say so. <laughs> so that's, it, about, that's about as Rick Barnes as yeah, it gets until until I say the suspension is over. And then he came back and it was a couple games back on the mainland before he played. And that season, his sophomore season, he didn't do anything until Florida, and that was a January game in Gainesville, and he had a double double. And after that game, he kind of said, I just kind of do what Barnes tells me. I focus on these parts of my game. I don't try to do too much on offense. I just want to play defense and rebound. And everything else happens. It feels like that moment in Maui, that broke Schofield, and that got Barnes's point across that, you know, I'm the coach, you're the player, that's it. And you could say the same exact thing about Lamonte Turner for his first yeah. two, two-and-a-half seasons in Knoxville where, where Rick Barnes basically saying, I'm going to run you into the ground – and you're either going to leave or you're going to come back from it and you're going to be better. One of the one of those two things is going to happen because I am going to break you. Yeah. And he eventually broke Turner, and, and now he, he's kind of started building him back up, and he's got that same sort of tough mentality, but he'll listen to his coaches and do what they tell him to do now on the court. And what I'm wondering now is, does that happen with Grant Williams? Because the only concern, you might have heard more than me, uh, if there's anyone, there's one guy in the media who's around the program more than me, and it's you. And he, I, I've heard uh, Grant say this several times. I've heard Rick. I've heard assistant coaches. I've heard teammates say this. The only concern with Grant, other than he could maybe be in a little better shape, that, that's you could say that about just about everybody. The one thing is Grant is incredibly smart, incredibly smart, and he knows almost everything. But he doesn't know everything, and he thinks he does know everything, and that is the only concern with him being able to reach his full potential because with Garrett Meadenwald in that that strength program uh, they can get him where he needs to be in that way I have no doubts about that they can get him even if he's not an obsessive worker like the others uh, he's a good hard worker he'll get it done he's a good kid Uh, to quote Bobby Bowden he's they're good kids (laughs) but if if he can get broken can you break a guy who was just named conference player of the year. That That's the only thing I have is that Barnes has tried to go through those moments with Williams and he loves the kid. Everybody does, but 
there's that one little bit that's missing, and, and that's completely listening to every single thing the coach says. And can Grant Williams develop that, and, and what's his upside if he does? Uh, his upside is, I mean, it's so easy to, to pick apart his game and then you feel so stupid for doing it because he just won SEC Player of the Year as a sophomore. Yeah. I mean, that's something, yeah. that, that's something that Bernard King did uh, in the mid-'70s. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But he, he can be in so much better shape. He's got to be in elite conditioning to, to be the elite player he wants to be. He's got to be. He's got to be so much better when he gets a foul called against him in the first four or five minutes. Uh, he's got to be so much better uh, when he's the focal point of the scouting report. Uh, by the other team, he, he's got to be better against double teams. He's got to be a better passer. He's got to be a little bit better at everything. And you're talking about that as a kid that's the reigning SEC Player of the Year, and he's not even played a minute as an upperclassman. Uh, that's crazy. But you got to, you have, yeah. And you're you're 100 percent right. He doesn't know what he doesn't know, and he's got to learn that. He's got to learn that. Uh, these 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 this coaching staff knows how to develop talent. Obviously, if you look at the guys around him, and that that's not to make Grant out to be a bad kid or a bad person. No, God, it's, no. it's just a a little bit of a of maybe of a, a of character flaw they're trying to get past. Is is he knows what he knows, and uh, if you watch a practice, Rick Barnes is going to call him out on that and tell him he doesn't know everything and all that stuff, and, and the way Rick likes to push buttons and and try to pull strings. But yeah, there's so much that he can improve on between sitting here this summer and next summer when he can be testing the NBA draft waters and stuff can be getting real that he can, I mean, the sky could be the limit for this kid. This kid could be PJ Tucker 2.0 in the NBA because that's why Rick Barnes recruited and signed him. And he can shoot. He can shoot because he reminded him so much of PJ Tucker. So uh, he's got to keep developing his range before he plays at the next level and and get a more of a consistent, confident jump shot uh, from more than just mid range but there's so much better that he can do and so much of a higher ceiling that he can have, even though he's already done as much as he's done. Yeah, the gist I've gotten with Williams and the three-point shot is that Williams has 100% confidence in Williams' three-point shot, and Barnes does not have 100% confidence in Williams' three-point shot. And uh, Grant would take them all day if you let him. Uh, because, hey, if, if your other choice is to go bang in the paint or you can just stand out there and shoot a shot, human nature, you're, you're going to take the, the shot while you've got it. Uh, but it, it's like Rick will say, they're giving it to you for a reason. Grant, they're giving it to you for a reason. And if Williams could, could improve there, get in better shape as we've talked about, and if he could add that part to his game, when you watch Fulkerson get to the top of the key, and see the floor and make those passes underneath or make those passes back outside, if Williams, taking all the pressure that he gets, which is always a billion times more than, than Fulkerson's, obviously, but if he could do that, if he could get to the, the elbow, get to the free throw line, and take those double teams and find the right man and get it to the right shooter in the rhythm for a jump shot or get it down low to Alexander for a dunk or, or on you know Schofield where he can drive or, or shoot – they would score their their efficiency on offense would be through the roof if that that one thing could happen and that's the thing that's what that's what makes me so curious about this is because you see a track record with Barnes guys uh, let's throw Kevin Durant into his own category because he's Kevin Durant the, the rest of them have been guys his best players a lot of times have been guys that he had to break and rebuild and make them into the player he wanted and he still hasn't done that with Williams, and Williams is already the SEC Player of the Year. So will he be able to do something about that? Will he be able to get through to him? Uh, because, again, you said it really well, 
Grant, that, that no one is suggesting anything other than this is a really good kid because he is a super kid. He honestly is. He is a big nerd, smart nerd, who loves music and board games and video games and, and also happens to be uh, really good at basketball. Uh, he could he could do he doesn't need basketball in his life to be successful in life but to be the best basketball player he can be there's just that one little thing there and it would be interesting to me to see if he does that speaking of the front court uh, Tennessee's front court for the most part going into next season is going to look on paper the same all those guys uh, really are back uh, and I think you could see another level of Kyle Alexander. I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. I mm-hmm. genuinely believe that. I think uh, – I'm not going to go so far as to say if he's healthy, they go to the Final Four, but I think there's a pretty good chance if he's healthy, they get to go to the Final Four. Uh, I think that's how much of a difference he makes. Uh, but what, here's some news for Tennessee. In addition to guys like Derek Walker being able to push Fulkerson – or push – push him now, Alexander, Fulkerson to get in there a little bit and maybe push him a little bit in some ways against some lineups. Now you're bringing in another guy, uh, Zach Kent, who redshirted last season, a guy who I still believe has some ability. I'm not giving up on that kid yet. It's just been one season. Uh, it's hard to find 6'11 guys who can shoot the way he can. Uh, he's got some skill, just needs to get in better shape, tougher, and play defense. But now you're adding another guy into this mix, DJ Burns, who despite being classified up one year, being moved up a year, he was the 105th ranked player in the country. 89th according to 24-7 sports, 105 according to the 24-7 composite. And this is a guy who's 6'9", 250. You add him to the mix too, uh, I think he's got to get in much better shape. But this is a pretty talented guy they're throwing into the mix now. And from everything you've heard, Grant, this sounds kind of like a Rick Barnes guy. Yeah, he. I mean, they're to the point where they're going to get the players they want in terms of their personality and character off the court. That's they're, number one. They're, yeah, that's their number one criteria. And, yeah, DJ Burns obviously meets that criteria because they've been recruiting him for three years, and, and that's something they always talk about when they bring him up. I think the question – I think he could contribute on this team from day one, even though he's just 17 years old. I think he's skilled enough – uh, a big enough body and skilled enough in the post to contribute. I think you're, the, the dilemma they're going to face is uh, kind of like Jalen Johnson two seasons ago. Uh, you can you can not redshirt him and you can play him 10 minutes a night, but Robert Hubbs is probably going to be playing 30 minutes a night at that number three. Now you have Grant Williams at the four, Kyle Alexander at the five. However, you whatever you do with DJ, uh, you're probably looking at 25 to 28 minutes a night for those two guys, at least between Kyle and Grant. Uh, then you mix in Kent, then you mix in Fulkerson, then you mix in, uh, who am I leaving out, Derek Walker. Uh, you have to decide, do you want to redshirt this kid and let his body kind of catch up to his skill? Because uh, he was, a, like you mentioned, he did move up. He is a 2019 kid who bumped up to 2018. And that would kind of keep him on schedule. I mean, the reason he said he wanted to come uh, early was he had the courses done. Why not get to campus? And yeah, start smart kid. You said taking AP classes and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Instead of wasting your time in a high school weight room or York Academy weight room, uh, no disrespect to them. Uh, yeah, why take not, that York Academy. Why not get here and get better uh, and, and start working on your body and start preparing yourself for that that grind? Uh, if they don't redshirt him, I think he'll contribute. But uh, wait and see what they do. They say they don't have a plan now. Maybe they do have a plan in place. Uh, I think I would lean towards redshirting him unless you really got in a pinch and you really needed him because obviously this is a good roster you have coming back, uh, and then you can save him, uh, and he's ready to go in 2019. 
Yeah, when you look at that body, it's easy to sit there and say, well, Jarnell Stokes did it. Why can't this kid do it? Uh, especially because Stokes had to come in, you know, whatever mid-year, and this kid uh, right. comes in a full year ahead. And uh, I would answer that a couple reasons. One, Tennessee doesn't have the desperate need it had then. Yeah. Jarnell uh, didn't have Grant Williams in front yeah. of him. Uh, Jarnell did not have a lot of baby fat when he came to uh, Tennessee. Uh, DJ Burns, uh, again, this is a six-nine kid. Big guy, talented, can shoot a little bit, can score with either hand around the post, which is a really underrated trait uh, and skill. And if a guy has that, that's really good. Uh, there's a lot of things I like about this kid, but Tennessee doesn't have that need for him. And since he did come in a year early, that might be an easier kid to say, hey, uh, d- you know, do you think, well, maybe we think redshirting is better for you. And he might not buck too much when you do that. So, and at the very least, this is a guy who, if you have to put him on the court, just seeing what we see now, I mean, this isn't Pops Engi. No offense, Pops. I mean, th- this kid, I think, can go in and do some things. So, uh, and, and again, Pops is a really nice kid, and he'll probably once, hear this saw, and now, now say, you know, now he's going to put me on his kill list. I but. once saw Pops uh, clear clear about six rows uh, of teammates, uh, et cetera, at the Rocky Top League because of passing gas. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very proud in that moment yeah there was the 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 pops uh one of my favorite pop stories uh my brother just graduated uh from tennessee and he's got a job working in memphis in the logistics business um but he was a you know really good athlete should have played ball in college didn't but he played on a on an intramural team basketball team that uh made it to the championship game for the tennessee intramurals uh that thing and, and his team played pops and Jai's team once and uh, he said that uh, a guy he was playing with got a hand on and basically tips one of Pop Senjai's shots and started getting in his face about it, like, oh, you're a seven-footer, come on, man. And then on the very next possession, uh, Pop showed some of those uh, Conzo Martin post moves and uh, basically cleared out two guys almost with an elbow and threw down a dunk so hard that it almost like <laughs> broke, you know, brought down the rim. And he was like, okay, yeah, that, that's better. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that – long story short, I, I think Burns can, uh, can do some things. Uh, but he's not necessarily going to be needed uh, because I think there's a lot of depth there for Tennessee and a lot of good depth. Where Tennessee does not have good depth, though, Grant, is one of – if you're looking at, at things that could bring down this team and, 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 and make it a disappointing season, I think, one, uh, we could – all maybe say is, are they going to have the same chemistry? Will they be the same team without sneaking up on people? That's number one. Uh, number two, from a tangible X's and O standpoint, ball handler. Uh, it is really hard to win in college basketball if you are not strong on the ball. And we've seen it time and time again when, when Jordan Bone is good. Man, he's really good. Ask Arkansas. Ask some of these other teams about him. Ask Vanderbilt. Uh, when he's good, he can be all SEC good. Uh, Consistency, however, not his strength. When he's frustrating, he can be all SEC frustrating. Yes, and, and now the good thing is you you do have Lamonte Turner who can slide over, even if he's maybe more of a natural off-the-ball player. Uh, he's gotten better on the ball, and he can do those things. But, uh, and I remember it really hit home to me when it was talking to some of those guys uh, down in Dallas talking about next season and all that, and I was talking to Jordan Bowden, and I asked him one of the things, you know, what's on his offseason to-do list. And he looked around and he was like, man, Bird's gone. I'm, I'm going to have to be a better ball handler. Yep. Because <laughs> you think about it, what if Bone and Bowden get in some foul trouble? You, 
you know, you're, you're maybe, or Bona Turner, you might have to give the ball to Bowden and say, hey, um, can you do this a little bit? So that is a concern because last year with, with Bird in there, as, as erratic as he could be, he was occasionally electric, and he would give you a third point guard. And going into next season now, that's not going to be something that they have. No, and it feels like this whole, this last, I guess, maybe 10, 11 months has been pretty charmed for Tennessee basketball, kind of what they've, they've kind of reestablished themselves nationally. Everything seems to be trending the right direction. It seems like they get a lot more good news than they ever get uh, bad news. But the whole thing with, with Quan Four not being able to, uh, he's committed for a month. He has to reopen his recruitment because of something to do with grad school. Uh, that, I think that really kind of put them in a bind. It got to the point where it was too late for them to yep. go to a backup plan. They, they, There's so, always people on the on the market, and, and but it was too late. For so long in the 2018 class, all their eggs were in the Anthony Simons basket. And, you know, for a good reason, he just got picked number 24. Overall in the NBA draft, obviously, he's a, a really, really good basketball player. Uh, but when he was deciding between college or the NBA, you can't just move on from him until he's decided. Yep. And he didn't decide until March, and they moved on from that, and they got a they got a grad transfer in Quan Four. At least they thought they were getting him, who would have been another ball handling option. He would have probably been the third ball handling option, but he would have been a really good defensive perimeter player. He he would have brought some stuff to it uh, that they need. And now they just kind of got there where they're stuck in that open scholarship and, and they needed a guard and, and they're not going to have one. And, and Rick Barnes has mentioned Bowden handling the ball some more. But what the, the problem here is, uh, like it's been pointed out on our board, uh, whenever this topic comes up, is Lamonte Turner plays his best basketball off the ball. Yep. You don't want to take him off the ball if you don't have to. But Jordan Bowden's not a guy like you talked about that, that gives you that consistency and that confidence that you can leave him and he'll be fine. It, it's gonna, he's gonna have to take a big step. It's it's a big off season for him. For a lot of guys, it's it's a really big off season for Jordan Bone because he's got to be uh, the gas pedal. The, this team's gonna go as their point guards go, uh, as their ball handlers go, because that's Rick Barnes's you know number one thing is good point guard play, good consistent point guard play, and everything they did last year uh, was despite inconsistencies at point guard. You didn't know what you're getting from Bone night in and night out. You didn't yeah. know what you're getting from Daniel night in and night out. You just didn't know. So if they can figure out some consistencies there, it's fine. Uh, if they don't, it's going to be a pretty big blunder to not fill that scholarship and not find somebody else that can handle the ball. And I know I know I say this a lot, but, you know, I, I, I've heard a couple of the best coaches that I've covered have, have told me, in short, basically, why would I waste my time yelling at the guys who can't be good? I yell at the guys who can be good. If you suck – I'm not going to yell at you because you're doing the best you can probably and you're just not very good. If you're good, you're worth it. And that's what I go back to time and time again because people have said that I'm really hard on Jordan Bone, and I, I, I know sometimes that I do mention it a lot. I am kind of hard on the kid. I'm only that way for the same reason that his coaches are that way with him because they know how good he can be. And, you know, if you don't do it all the time, I mean, no one's – 100% consistent. No one isn't. No one anywhere, any level. LeBron's not. Durant's not. Peyton wasn't. MJ wasn't. Brady's not. No one's 100% all the time. Uh, but when Bone has this frustrating ability to not be able to really fight through bad games, 
And that's a trait that's going to have to stop. He's going to be a junior now. He's had a lot of experience. Uh, he has the ability to be the head of the snake on that team and to rack up assists because he can see the floor. He can make passes that other point guards can't make. He does have more speed than most point guards have. He has more athleticism than most point guards have. Talent-wise, pure talent-wise, he's got, he's got a nice jump shot. It's doesn't little, turn the ball over. It's a little time. flat, I think, but it's a nice jump shot. He, he takes care of the ball. He has every tool in his bag, uh, but sometimes there's something between the ears that kind of gets in his way, and I, I don't know what it is. I know he's a smart kid. Uh, he's just – there's something there he's got to push through. And if he can, then you can leave him out there most of the time and feel pretty good about it. You know, that way you can keep Turner with several – kind of rotations off the ball you can let Bowden do what he does and you're not in a situation where you're looking down the roster saying okay Bowden can you handle the ball okay uh, Jordan you know you know hey, hey Jalen Johnson can you handle the ball like hey do I need to throw Brad Woodson back out there <laughs> I, I mean he cuts hard he cuts hard moves hard yeah he, he knows go Cubs go America big Cubs fan great kid future coach but that's that's something that it just becomes a lot easier to put the rest of the puzzle pieces into the puzzle if Bone's doing his part. And I'm not saying that they can't win without him because I think they can win without him. I think they got enough options to be okay most of the time. You know, they've got guys you can put out there and be okay, run a point forward a little bit, let, you know, give guys, you know, like Bowden and Admiral the ball and say don't turn it over. Okay, you can do some things there. But it just becomes a lot easier when Bone's doing his job. And that's one thing that uh, it's been a good, you know, I, we talked to Rick a little bit on the caravan other times this offseason, and he said he likes what he's seeing from, from Bone. Now, whether that's Rick saying, I need this guy, so I have to just start complimenting him now, <laughs> or whether it's he's really turning the corner, I, I don't know that answer yet. I don't know that anybody does. But uh, it would be really helpful for Tennessee if he would do that. And the, and the thing for Bone – uh, I guess kind of fortunately and unfortunately is uh, he, he took a lot of that Loyola Chicago loss on him because it was his man that scored the last bucket and it was him that brought the ball up on that last possession for Tennessee and uh, fair or not, he was really, really tough on himself after that game. Also missed the layup that caused Admiral Schofield to yeah, get that way early in the that game really to, harsh to foul call early in the foul. game. And that term, that completely changed the first half, like right. a snap of a finger. Right, and 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 he, I mean, he he, basically sobbing, uh, yeah. in the locker room. After Could barely the game. talk. Yeah, he had a towel over his head, and uh, he it was it was a tough locker room to be in to begin with. But I, it looks like he was taking it as hard as anybody. So I think he is as motivated as anybody uh, this off season. That he knows he has to be that much better uh, for his team to be that much better. We've got two more things to talk about before we get out of here, Grant. Here, here's the first one. I'm going to throw some names at you, and I, I want to see what you think about how many of these guys are going to take a big step forward. Eve Ponds, Eve Pond, Jalen Johnson, John Fulkerson. Now, those are obviously different types of players. However, right. those are three guys that, you, that if you look at and you look at the roster and you say, okay, for one reason or another, any one of these guys or all of them has the potential to play a lot more minutes next season. Where do those guys stand? Uh, is Admiral coming back? Obviously that's a blow for guys like Johnson and Pons from a 
playing time standpoint. It, it just is. But where where are those guys right now? And and how much? Because people are going to want to know about Pons. There's no question about it. Yeah. Great athlete, unbelievable yeah. athlete. But what gets lost in the shuffle is that Jalen Johnson is also an unbelievable athlete. Six foot seven, southpaw, can handle the ball, can shoot, can really, really jump and throw the ball down. Uh, physically, he needs to get stronger to play defense at this level. But he would be a guy who most years at Tennessee, you'd be talking about that guy as a starter for the past decade. He would be. Yeah. And, right. And, and right now, he's having a hard time getting minutes. So, and then Fulkerson, we all know what he did as a freshman. We all know how much he struggled last season after the two shoulder injuries. Where are things with those guys? Eve, uh, Rick's never going to say a bad word about Eve, at least not until he becomes a a more productive player and opens himself up for critiques, uh, post-game critiques like every other player gets, uh, because he comes at it with the perfect Rick Barnes mentality of he only wants to be coached and he only wants to work. And uh, he Rick likes European players. They like to find European players because they're more, they're a little more, I don't know if they're more coachable than American players. but They don't have posses around them in a lot of cases. Yeah, they're coachable in a different way. They don't come from the AAU environment, all that stuff. So that that's the one thing for him is, is he's got such a, a natural talent, natural athleticism, just a freak athleticism with his build uh, and the way he plays the game. Uh, I think I would trust him so much more defensively and rebounding right now, but I would trust Jalen Johnson more with the ball in his hands if he needs to shoot or if he needs to create something. Uh, because Eve looked so uncomfortable last year. Anytime the ball was in his hand, he got a little bit better as the year went on. But it was like as soon as the ball found him, he was just getting rid of it, just keep the ball moving. It was like, I'm not really on the floor. I'm just kind of here on the floor. Uh, with Jalen, I think if he develops his jumper a little bit more, he's going to be a really good basketball player. But I think he has to – he's just got to get minutes right now. And, and playing behind Admiral and competing with Eve, that's that's a that's a really tough task. And Fulke, I love Fulke. Great kid. But I gotta believe it before I see it. Yep, he's had really, really good stretches. He was he was effective and, and did some things before he got hurt. And then everybody knows what's happened since then. It just felt like last year. Like, why is this? Why is this issue being pressed? Just let the kid get a year in the weight room, almost like a red shirt. Uh, even though he had just come off a, a red shirt season, medical red shirt. Uh, the strength was never there. He was never the same player. What he relied on so much as a freshman was that energy, uh, the nose for the ball just kind of going 100 miles an hour all the time. And it looked like he didn't have that confidence to go 100 miles an hour uh, last year. Maybe he didn't have the strength to do it or, or whatever. I don't think he did. Uh, and, and maybe that, I mean, I'm sure that comes from that injury he suffered and, and what that can do to you psychologically because he got hurt going after the ball the way he goes after the ball all the time. Uh, it's just a matter of i got to believe it to see it. I think he'll be a good basketball player, can be a good basketball player, uh, I think he can be good at this level. It's just how does he treat this offseason? How is a year in the weight room for him? Some actual time in the weight room, uh, some actual time with one of with both of his arms out of a sling. Uh, those are the questions to ask. But uh, until you see answers, I don't. I don't think you know. Yeah, R- Barnes made and his staff made two really really bold moves last season. Bad at five hundred on him. The first one was putting Schofield on the wing. And that one worked out 100%. That that one, in the long run, they nailed it. The other one was they kept throwing Fulkerson back out there because they knew what he did as a freshman. They thought he brought something different to the table and his ability to help, you know, pick apart defenses because he gets to the elbow and finds the open man and, and, and does some things 
that help that team win. And they kept going to that well until even after it looked like it just wasn't going to happen. They kept trying it for a while uh, until they basically had no choice. And I understand why that move was made. Uh, I'm not questioning it. Uh, I'm not questioning the motives behind it, but it clearly uh, did not work. And I do and think... even Rick himself has said, maybe I pushed a little too hard and expected something that wasn't there. Maybe he just wasn't ready. Yeah, and, and I, I've said this before. I won't go... Uh, I won't be long-winded on this for a change. I'll just say that uh, I do believe in that kid, and I, I think that if he's given a full offseason to get his strength and conditioning back... Because you go spend 9 out of 12 months or 10 out of 12 months with one arm or the other in a sling and then go out there and try to play in the front court at the SEC and, you know, big-time NCAA level, uh, you're going to get exposed. Uh, unless you're someone like Dwight Howard, you're going to go in there. Physically, you're just so much better. You're, you're going to go get exposed in that situation, and he did. But uh, I, I, I'm not saying – I've said this before – I think Kyle Alexander will come good in the long run. I'm never going to stop believing in that kid because of what he can do uh, and because what of his ability, what his ability is. And I think we've all seen it. Those of us who see practice a good bit know what that guy can do. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing about Fulkerson. I think that he, the kid's never going to be a star, but I think he's going to help Tennessee before he leaves. Last thing before we get out of here, Grant, we hinted at this at the beginning. And I think that – if you're not going to look at point guard as the obvious thing, which we've discussed, the other one is how will things be different for this team now without the ability to surprise anybody? And is this team, we've hinted this before, and we might have different opinions on this, is this team legitimately a top five team going into the season. I don't think anybody questions whether it's a top 10 team. They shouldn't. But is this a top five team? I don't think so. I've always thought that was just a little too much. Uh, pump the brakes a little bit. Relax. Because there's some really good basketball teams out there, some really elite basketball players out there. Uh, Tennessee does have so much returning and, and everything that everything that happened last year, it's basically all those guys are coming back and, and can do that same thing again this year. But uh, you look at the pieces, how Kentucky's reinvented itself, obviously. Uh, the SEC, it seems like across the board, everybody just gets a little bit better. Uh, and this conference is, is producing some of the best basketball uh, it's produced in a long time. One one thing that Rick has pointed out this offseason, I think he pointed it out maybe when he was talking to fans at, at one of the caravan stops, is this team played as a ranked basketball team as long as anybody in the SEC last year, maybe yeah. longer than anybody. Uh, and they handled those expectations. They went into the poll – like December, early December, they went in at like number 24, 23 or something, and they didn't go out of the poll after that. They stayed ranked every single week, something like 16 uh, straight weeks to close the regular season. So they did handle some of that success. They weren't sneaking up on people. I don't think you're ever sneaking up on anybody uh, as a ranked basketball team. But I, I think I think they will be able to handle the expectations of a top 10 program. Uh, the question is – you know, do they finish? I don't. I don't think you have to win the league again. I don't. I don't think that's a big deal. You want to. You want to win championships and you want to hang banners and all that stuff. But if you finish top four, you get that double buy in the SEC tournament. That's all that matters. And you're getting a good seed. Come and you're, and time. you're getting a good seed in the NCAA tournament. You don't have to worry about playing yourself in, anything like that. I, I think where it, kind of the rubber meets the road for this team is, 
is when they do get towards uh, the second half of the conference season and when they really need to be playing their best basketball at the right time going into March. Can they do it? And can they have a better showing uh, than they had against Loyola? They, that they're a better team than Loyola. Uh, obviously, the Ramblers did what they did and, and went to the Final Four and all the Sister Jean magic and, and all that storyline that everybody got sick of. Uh, can they handle themselves a little bit better when it matters most? Yeah, what I'll say about this is is I ha- I have absolutely zero problem, <coughs> excuse me, with, with anybody putting that team in the top five preseason. Um, if I had a poll, I'm not a vote, which obviously we don't subscribe to the AP at 24-7 Sports, so we don't get votes anymore. <coughs> excuse me. But if we did get votes, um, I don't know that I would have Tennessee in the top five. I'd definitely have it in the top ten. But here, here's one thing I, I think it, it's easy to forget. Uh, you can't view anything in a vacuum. You can't just say Tennessee was this. Practically the entire team comes back. You add a top 100 prospect to the mix. You got the SEC player of the year coming back. You got the SEC six man of the year coming back. You got all this talent or, or all this college talent anyway. And you're going to be better. It's easy to say that. And maybe it's true. Sometimes it's true. The problem is, and I'll never forget it, I was talking to an SEC assistant coach last season, not, not a coach from Tennessee, from somewhere else. And this was, I don't know, maybe the midway mark or somewhere around the midway point of the conference season. And, and he said, he goes, man, people are talking right now about how much better this league is right now, and it is. He goes, when this league really, really gets going is next season. And he started going down the list. He's like, you know, Vandy signs two five stars. You know, the we'll see what happens with um, the Georgia coaching situation. Maybe a, a move gets made down there, and they they get a, a bigger coach there because they have the, you know, talent pool to do that. Uh, it's a great job to recruit to. Uh, so what happens there? You know, Kentucky's going to be good again. You know, LSU's bringing in a bunch of big time prospects. Conzo um, and his guys have been recruiting well over at Missouri, he goes, you know, this league is getting better. And at the time, he thought, like everybody else did, that Auburn would bring back most of its team, which it's still bringing back a decent portion of it, but a couple of, of guys have big-time players. It's been a weird offseason down there, yeah, it seems like. Yeah, couple, a couple of their big-time players have transferred out of the program, but there's still some talent there, and they've recruited pretty well. And they did what they did last season with their two most highly touted guys were not eligible to play. So th- – the two best teams in the league from last season are bringing back a lot this season. It just It's not just about Tennessee. It's about that entire league and how much better that league's going to be. And it was a lot. It took a big step forward this year. I think it takes a bigger step forward next season. And because of that, you know, Tennessee, we didn't even mention Florida in that. You know, didn't mention, you know, there's just a lot – very few teams, I think, next season in the league will be a worse team than they were the year before. Like, if you had taken their team from this next season and their team from, from this season, I think most of the time the team from this coming season uh, mm-hmm. would, would win that. So you look at all that and you just say, maybe Tennessee doesn't win the league anymore. Now, Tennessee will be near the top of the league. I do believe that. And would I be surprised if Tennessee won the league? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But the league itself is going to be good. And what that's going to mean is really, really fun basketball to watch. And I hope people 
are excited out there because if you say, oh, they won the league last season, they come back and finish fourth, they're going downhill. No, please don't be that ignorant. Look at that league and maybe appreciate a little bit how far it's come in the past few years. And and Tennessee's been one of the reasons for that. Tennessee's becoming the program it should be again. And I don't know if they win the league, but they're going to be in the mix. And I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really, really fun season. I think the fans, with the way they got behind that team going into, you know, at least January forward maybe a little bit when they really started believing with that team, you saw that. Does that – do they go into the season now with that kind of hype or with that kind of – vibe in the building it's not going to be rocking when you're playing you know nobody tech early in the year or nobody state Mm -hmm. but they're playing a good schedule it's going to be fun and I think it's going to be I I just I I know we got to get through a football season it's funny because Tennessee football starts here it's basically football season now almost and you got a new coach and there's gonna be a lot of attention on that and there absolutely should be but that basketball season is going to be a really fun one, I think. Yeah, and I, I, again, I look at it, benchmarks, finish top four in the league. doesn't really matter what you do in the SEC tournament, go to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. I think if they do that, they've built on what they, everything they accomplished last season and they keep moving uh, in the right direction. I think if you finish top four in this league, the way, the way it's headed, you had a pretty good year. I do, however, think that, that I, I don't think people are really overhyping that team. Maybe maybe the tiniest bit, but I think that team is good. And I think it's going to be good. And I think it's going to be a fun season. Gary Parrish dropped him from number three to number four after Kentucky added Reed Travis. Imagine that disrespect. Just so do- you, They're barely even on Mount Rushmore now. Yeah, slap in the face. They're almost having to go down to the President's Monument. They're not even on, not even on Rushmore anymore. Maybe we'll bring on Gary onto the podcast done his show a few times i know gary for years to discuss. we're gonna have to bring him on here and say gary the disrespect for tennessee basketball wth gary what's going on thanks for tuning in guys i think uh patrick brown and i'll be back later in the week with a football podcast uh, we should get that done but regardless we'll be back soon you know that it's uh back from the honeymoon back from the wedding and it's work time time to get to work any final thoughts grant Late September, first day of basketball practice. Maybe the 25th or the 29th, so count down accordingly. It's interesting. We actually did have a, a final word that time. We did have a thought. From I like it. Thanks, guys. We'll be back soon.